you know, like you hear these terms and you hear this terminology and, you know, what does this mean? You know, would be the first thing. What does this mean for me personally? What does this mean for my job? How does this, what does this mean for community? What does this mean for recovery? You know, as a person in recovery and uh, like, what does this mean? What does DEI mean? Hello, Bridges to Change listeners. This is Change Talk. My name is Hannah, and today our guest is James. Welcome, James. Welcome, Hannah. Good morning. It's a Monday morning. Yes, good morning. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. I'm honored. So, James, what's your role at Bridges to Change? Currently, my role is a program supervisor in Washington County. And how long have you been with Bridges? I've been with Bridges to Change coming up on eight years as a mentor, and then a year as a house manager, and formerly before that, I went through the program as a participant. What do you like about Bridges that's kept you here for so long? Well, what I like is, one, it was, it was the place where I got a chance to be heard. The mentor that I work with coming out of the Washington County Treatment Dorm provided an atmosphere for me to be able to change and to um, get a better idea on how to become a better parent, how to become a better person in society, and accept my role as, a, as, as just a productive member of society. Wow. So it wasn't, it wasn't just one thing. It was, it was this whole kind of life change. Yes, it was, it was a multitude of things. As I have been through the prison system for 13 and a half years, I've also been through treatment six or seven times. And this last time I went through treatment with the addition of the mentor, that gave me an opportunity to change and and my life became better since that point. Yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. So speaking of change, how does the concept of change relate to diversity, equity, and inclusion work for you? For me, I think the concept of change would be hearing, hearing, um, the clientele or demographic that we're looking to serve, being able to hear their voice and them understanding that they have a voice. Mm. And that encompasses a lot of different areas. One would be, you know, looking at our approaches as an organization on how we can foster an atmosphere of uh, inclusivity for the client or participant, as well as looking at some of the ways on which we implement those things, meaning having those conversations with mentors, being brought up to speed on some of the things that <clears throat> that may impact change negatively and positively. So I think it's a, a holistic approach um, when you're talking about biases, stereotypes, or even some of the policies. So it sounds like you're saying change can be a good thing. Yes. And change can be a bad thing. If I'm we- not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. It just may come with some some resistance. Mm-hmm. There may be some resistance in it initially, and there also may be some lack of understanding just, just due to not having the information. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say change is bad, not in this realm, because we're, we're, we're talking about impacting people's lives so they can become better human beings, right. and that um, is a good thing. It sounds like change in this, in this way has to be really intentional. I would definitely say it has to be intentional. As a person who's been with the organization for such a long period of time, 
um, from a client's perspective, house manager, uh, supervisor and manager, you know, the different things that have happened over the years have improved bridges to change the opportunity to impact more people in a positive way. Mm. So from seeing it from that point of view, I would say change has been really, really good. We're able to serve more people. Um, we're able to listen and hear some of the ways that we can grow as an organization. And I think all that came from the intention of including diversity, equity, and inclusion mm. in our approaches. Yeah, so really providing opportunities yes. that that have an intentional impact and taking like a moment to pause and say, what are we really doing? Yes, I think that definitely, I would agree with that statement. That definitely has to be a very focal point from the organization, I would say, because we have to see the growth. We have to understand what this, what the growth means and, and how is this change impacting not just the, the participants, but also the workers, mm. you know, because there may be some things as people in recovery, you know, that, that still we may need to grow beyond in order to implement some things in a positive manner. Mm -hmm. So I think having that intention and having those spaces for safety, um, trainings, and just open dialogue is very important to this process. Yeah, absolutely. What does DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, what does that mean to you? Well, diversity would mean everyone for me. Equity would be everyone having equal or appropriate access for them to enter into change in this in this particular situation it would be entering into services with bridges to change and inclusion would be looking at ways on how we can allow that process to where it doesn't separate mm. so that it doesn't divide so it doesn't divide mm. and if there is some some conversations that need to be had around that because it can look like you're 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 giving preferential treatment to other people, but being able to have conversations around it and and getting the information or bringing in some some using some tools like the Meyer mm -hmm. Meyer tool, you know, can can be good educational information for not just the mentors but also give us ways on how we can implement this in an intentional manner. Mm -hmm. So, How does DEI show up for your work every day? Well, I would say one thing is, is maintaining a trauma-informed approach. Mm. And What does that mean for people who don't, don't know what that means or have heard it but say, like, I don't really know? Well, everybody, everybody brings something with them to where... Well, I won't say everybody, but there may be a potential for people to bring stuff with them that may impact their ability to trust. Mm -hmm. It may impact their ability to get along with other people in a um, community setting or in a, in a house setting. And we have to have those conversations to see if, one, they're comfortable. Two, does this fit what, what you're looking for as far as services that we provide? And three, if not, what can we do to help you? Mm. You know, so I, I don't I don't think it's I think those conversations need to happen and it needs to be intentional with those because we want to be able to hear what the client is saying. Yeah. Yes, we have these policies. We have these. 
programs that we offer, but do we necessarily want to put them in something that's going to put a person in a, into a place to where it's going to invoke some trauma? They may have brought some uh, lack of trust or they may not get along with a particular gender because of some things that happened to them in the past. Right. And we want to be in tune with being able to say, hey, this is what we provide, this is what we do. We want to be very transparent in that situation. Yeah. So in some ways, it sounds like you're saying not making the assumption that everything's going to be okay for every person or every service isn't going to look the same for every person. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I would I would agree. And if And then when you think about change as an organization, if that's the case, if there's some data to support that, you know, how can we be more in tune with that is there a way we can open a lane for these for people to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. in a different setting you know can we can we look at some other ways on how we can provide services as well yeah not separate but at the same time include them in our services yeah so a different a different way of supporting someone can change someone's life yes absolutely and then you know that goes into the cultural aspects and you know, a lot of times culture is just thought about it as race, but it can also include uh, gender identity. It can include um, sexual preference or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we want to be in tune and, and, and understand that they still have some needs and that we can be supportive in their process as well. Yeah. And if not, how can we partner with another agency maybe, or how can we provide wraparound services as they're getting involved in some other services to be supportive in that aspect? So we don't necessarily have to be the expert, but we can partner with people who who maybe are the expert or maybe are a part of that community. Yes, I think that's one of the biggest things that we can do. You know, when we get out of uh, ego Mm. and and not wanting to be the end-all, be-all for everyone, I think that gives us more insight to services that we could provide that can be beneficial yeah. to the client, not necessarily, hey, this is what we help people do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It, it makes me think about how, I wonder how you kind of approach that with your staff on your teams. How do you bring up, variety and culture? How do you bring up variety and approach? How do you, how do you have those conversations with people who might not automatically say like, oh, I wonder if what I'm doing is working for this person? Well, one thing I would be, I I would ask is if they're aware of some of the changes that the organization Mm. has made, if they're aware of some of the policies that we have and try to include them in understanding what that means and how we can implement that in our daily interactions, not just with clients, but with coworkers, uh, with supervisions. Um, I have those conversations with staff. Um, Also direct them to the different committees that we have so that they can get more information and have, and feel that, feel that, um, be able to ask those questions and not just from me, but just, get some different perspectives from people within the organization. I think the word that you used, you used include staff, which I think is really important because we're talking about including clients in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I hear you saying is that you're including your staff as, as a partner. You're not just telling your staff, you're, you're really including them in the process of 
not only the organizational change, but their personal change throughout this process. Absolutely. Our, our staff are awesome and, you know, they come from a lot of diverse different backgrounds and we all bring something that can be positive and beneficial to the organization, mm. you know. So, um, again, when I think of change, I think in terms of empowerment and I also think of everyone having a voice. Yeah. It's not just about the supervisor or the manager. You know, all this information and all these different perspectives make us who we are. So I want to empower my staff to be able to have those conversations, to ask those questions without uh, fear of any backlash or... Or that's a stupid question. Or that's a stupid question, right. How do you empower your staff? Like, what does that look like for you in practice? Well, I I encourage interactions. I I encourage uh, outreach. I encourage them to ask me questions if they feel like I'm someone that they can turn to and I'm transparent. I think um, my approach has always been one of adversity. Mm. You know, I just approach it from an adverse point of view and I'm open-minded to what other people have to say. So with that comes interactions with different agencies. I am seen as a person who, who may have a little bit more knowledge because of my longevity with the organization, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a superior in any way in mm. that aspect. You know, um, I thank them when they're bringing ideas. I thank them when they're asking tough questions. I thank them for their service when they're part of committees or when they're doing great work. I, I recognize some of the things that they've done and just give them an opportunity to continue to ask questions with me and uh, offer my my advice, my expertise, but in addition, you know, I embrace theirs as well. When they when they educate me on some things, I thank them for it. Yeah. I mean, this is really tough work. It's tough to be in a place of learning and growing and awareness. And yes. um, I, I think it's so important that you're providing a safe place for your team and other people in the organization to to begin to explore what this means for them and how they can utilize these skills and these conversations with their clients and with community members and with their family at the dinner table. I, I, I do as well. Again, it comes down to having that voice and, and a person feeling comfortable and confident that they bring something or that they can be themselves mm-hmm. and not be hindered. And if there are some things that we need to look at as far as approaches, how can we say that in a manner in which it can be impactful positively, you feel comfortable about it, and it being beneficial overall to the process. What has your DEI journey looked like so far in your life? Well, DEI is is fairly new. I would say I'm an, I'm an infant in understanding what DEI work can be. Um, I did jump in, you know, head head first when it when it when it came up in the organization because I was I I wondered why certain cultures weren't able to be successful with bridges to change. I wondered why, and I and I can say particularly African American as an African American male, you know how why weren't there more African American males being able to be successful mm. with the organization. So when it was brought to the table maybe three, four years ago, my journey began with being a part of the committee, showing, showing some interest in it and doing some research and understanding what this work means. 
um, talking to community partners or, or agencies that have already done some of this work. And then <clears throat> I took on a role as a committee chair for two years when, when the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee first implemented with the organization. And so that's, that was my role, is, is to get involved, not sit back, what can I do? You know, learn a little bit and then give what I what I do have at the time. Mm. So it sounds like for you, it really started with a question of why. Yes. Of why um, certain communities, particularly the African-American community, was not benefiting necessarily um, in the same outcomes in the same ways um, dominant cultures were. How do you think that process has unfolded in, in your learning? Very positive because we, we were able to see that there was a lack of services provided or maybe we had to have some open-mindedness around our approaches, mm. you know, to where now we're able to at least get more get more uh, African-American mentors, um, male and female, um, culturally specific housing, not just for African-American, but also LGBTQ, mental health. So I think it really opened the floodgates of being able to provide more services for people and giving them opportunities as well. Yeah, so going back to that, being intentional and providing opportunity, yeah, it's not going to look the same for every person. No. What would you say to somebody who says, like, I don't know anything about DEI, I can't, I can't be part of the committee, or I, I don't know enough to have a conversation about it. I feel really unsure. I would, one, I would ask them, do they have any questions about it? Have they done any research about it? And then encourage them to, to do some research on their own and look at some of the policies, look at the DEI page to see some of the improvements or what they're saying on that page so they can have more information. And then um, attend a meeting mm, mm-hmm. and, and, and ask that question if they're, if they're comfortable. If not, attend and observe and then bring it back and let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. I mean, you, it sounds like you didn't start out as a DEI expert. Absolutely not. And you started out with a question of why. Yes. Why do I need to? Why do we need to do this? Why do we need to get into this space? Or why should we be intentional? I mean, really, it, you don't have to be an expert. You just kind of have to have a question of why. Yeah. It it really comes. You know, like you hear these terms and you hear this terminology, and you know what does this mean? Mm-hmm. You know, would be the first thing. What does this mean for me personally? What does this mean for my job? How does this? What does this mean for community? What does this mean for recovery? You know, as a person in recovery, and uh, like, what does this mean? What does DEI mean? You know, so that's where it started for me, which is why I sought some insight from people who have been doing the work, you know, because one, I don't want to go out and do some things without understanding what we're doing. Mm. And two, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to get some guidance in this work and not duplicate services or not um, repeat things that have already been done, how do we further push it to where it's impactful for the community in a positive way? Yeah. It just made me think about all of the kind of skills that we hope our participants learn of asking for help or um, looking, you know, looking in the future, looking down the road. I mean, that's all the same for our, our staff and our community partners in DEI work. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It takes us all. It's not just one particular entity or organization. I think it takes a lot of us to, to meld together and kind of mold what this will look like. James, what's been your story of change? Um, I'm a person in recovery, and what that means is I've been impacted by addiction from from a child, from from parental. Um, I'm a person who grew up in the system as far as foster care at an early age, gang involved, prison, and since 427 of 2010, I've been a person in recovery, which means I've taken back some of those uh, specific roles in my life as a parent, as a productive member of society, as a son, as a brother, and just as a, as a person who lives change and not tells you what to do, but I guess the biggest thing I can be is an example. Mm. So my story has been addiction, criminality, prison, gang-affected, to now being an agent of change and trying to have some conversations to help other people along their path. That's amazing. Congratulations, 2010. That's awesome. How do you see change as a process? Like, how did, how did that happen for you? Was it one day you just, you just woke up and it was done? Was it a longer process? Well, I would say along the way, I've been, I've been blessed to be able to get through some of those adverse situations. And because of that, you know, I came to a point in 2010 where all the information I had was an opportunity to look inside to see, one, except that I needed to change. Mm. Two, I didn't know how to do it, so I was able to ask help, ask for help. And then three, do the things necessarily that someone had changed before me, like followed their path. You know, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I can do some things to get better. And the mentor at the time was able to reach me and was able to hear me. I guess that's the biggest thing was he heard me, heard what some of my struggles were, and gave me that encouragement and gave me that guidance on how to do those things. So it wasn't, so even though your change path was yours, it's individual, um, it's specialized to you. There were some things that you used that you just, you saw other people, it had worked for other people, and you, you were able to apply that to your change. Yes, that's that's a true statement there. And, you know, of course, I had to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to be willing to do the things, and it didn't come without any resistance or, or any bumps along the road. You know, but my, my change was more in tune with what I really hoped to dream, hoped and dreamed about when I was a kid, which was being a positive person, which was helping someone who didn't have a voice. Um, one of the things that that stayed with me throughout this process was wanting to be there for someone who had been through some of the similar things. And initially it was foster care, not growing up without my parents, not knowing my parents was the driving force. So I just wanted to be there for someone when, it, when I was able to provide a change and I understood that once I was able to change my life, that I could be a beacon of hope for someone else, just as people in recovery or the mentor was for me. So it was very, very personal at the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the job. It was just about, hey, man, you can change too if I can, you know, as a client, you know. One of the biggest things 
But one of the most impactful things for me that helped me believe in myself more was actually in the treatment process, um, helping people who were senior peers uh, with some of their homework because they thought I could offer them something. That gave me an opportunity to believe within myself and also gave me the thrust or the motivation to continue to move forward in, in becoming better individually so that I could help. So it sounds like even in the moment where you hadn't fully done all the change work, you knew the type of change you wanted. Yes. You could see the, the goal, and for you that was to give back for people who, and to people who have had a shared experience for you, with you. Um, and you could still see it in that moment. You could see this is, this is kind of where I want to be. This is the person I want to be. Yes, absolutely. And and that comes with the responsibility of the individual, you know, like I have to I have to play a part within my own life in order to participate positively in someone else's. Those someone else's happen to be my four kids who I wanted them to have a father and I wanted to be um better than what I was at the time. I didn't really have anything to compare it to mm. because I was so self-consumed and self-absorbed that I was willing to take this suggestion from the mentor to just be available. I was willing to get involved in a 12-step process, utilize that support, and do some things differently in order to be available and, and to begin the healing process within those relationships. So because of that, I was able to share that and been able to encourage other people along their path. Has change always been the same throughout this process? Has it looked the same throughout the whole, you know, the since 2010 and probably before 2010? Uh, since, be, well, before 2010, change was definitely, <laughs> I would say it's, it definitely looks different because I was, uh, I was closed-minded. Mm. Um, since 2010, I, I would say being open-minded and, you know, checking the evidence or looking at the things that I've been able to do to continue to propel myself forward. You know, I still have a lot of growing to do and some things still impact me as far as my esteem. But when I look at some of the things that, that I've done and understand what those processes were, I can stick with those basic things in order to get better, you know. So it hasn't always looked the same. Now I view myself a little bit more as a leader and because of that, I, I, I have more of a responsibility or opportunity to, to encourage and empower. So you've had to change your approach, your style, um, throughout your change process. Absolutely. To adapt to the needs, to adapt to your learning, to, I mean, you might have mastered one thing, but then you have another challenge. Well, yes, we, um, I believe we always evolve if we're continuing to grow and learn a little bit more about ourselves and, and the things that we do and our interests. You know, then with that being kind of the foundation, you know, it's always good to get better and, and to move into a, dip, a different realm or atmosphere. And part of that comes with starting back over and just approaching it from an open-minded point of view and asking questions. Mm -hmm. I think if I'm, if, if I'm willing to ask myself, do I know everything or challenge myself to get more information, then I will be a better leader or be able to serve. So really asking yourself 
and doing the deep work within yourself before you go out into the world um, and having an understanding of where you're at. Yes. And, you know, it's not just about me. It, it also comes with people that I come across, you know, some of, some of my coworkers. It comes through supervision, you know, with um, some of the guidance and direction professionally and also with feedback, you know, from not just people that support me, but also my kids and some of the ways on, on how society views things, you know, like really looking at things and, and understanding or asking why is this happening? Mm. You know, how can we improve this? And what is my part in this? You know, and I think being more intentional with, with being a part of the solution allows me to get out of the problem. Yeah. You know, because if I sit back and just view things and not participate, am I really helping? You know, I want to be a helper. Yeah. How do you maintain motivation for change? There's a lot that goes into it. You know, I would say, you know, waking up uh, as a black male in, in society, you know, um, just being, being, just trying to help change the narrative, mm. you know, looking at some of the, the things that Im- impact us and, and what, I'm, what legacy am I leaving my children? You know, I think that motivates me because I want to provide a better, better community for them. I also want them to be able, my children to be able to ask questions and, and, and to know that they belong regardless of how things are viewed. So I think that motivates me. Um, the work that we do with people who are receiving services from us motivates me. It, it encourages and empowers me to continue to go on and continue to advocate and, and say, well, hey, we may need to look at some different approaches, you know, because everyone is not benefiting from our services. And then the biggest piece would be, you know, those stories and, and seeing people who are changing to become better human beings, you know, seeing how we were able to provide a, an atmosphere for them to be able to do some things differently and how it impacted their life. Not the negative, but the positive. You know, the people who've gotten out and went through Bridges to Change and become parents again and have businesses and become productive members of society and who thank us, you know? So seeing that it, that it works and that it's impacting people in a positive way motivates me to continue. I heard you say change the narrative. What does that mean? Well, that means we, you know, there's some things that, you know, I I need to do, you know, as far as speaking up for those who feel like they don't have a voice, um, being different than what I was and letting people know what that change looked like for me, um, where I come from, honoring my story, and at the same time, you know, having that accountability or discipline, you know, with, with other people along their path. You know, it's not calling people out it's more hey maybe these things are impacting some of the decisions or some of the perceptions you know what do you want to do about this mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think it, I think changing the narrative is such an important part of not only just working with people in general but a part of the DEI process there's a lot of power in narrative and how do we how do we challenge that or change that or or honor ways of of being that are different for other people um i don't necessarily know the answer to that i will say you know being um 
advocating for change, being educated, um, participating in the process. You know, I think that moves us further along and being open-minded to, I guess, to what other people are saying, you know, like what are some changes that have happened, you know, in, in this demographic that may be, that I may be able to learn from in order to, in order to change myself, you know, like I, I have to be honest with some of the biases and some of the things that I bring to the table in order to look at that from a um, critical point of view to see if, if, if there's some things that I need to improve, mm -hmm. you know? So I think the biggest thing would be looking at myself, looking at society and um, advocating, um, getting information and then helping other people along the way. I don't think the, I don't think the process changes. I think we still can be real basic. And for me, it's, it's important that I, I remain basic in my approach and, and stick with the things that are working and that's challenging some things, um, not in a, not in a rebellion type of way, but hey, let's look at this, you know. And then also looking at myself to see ways on which I can improve. I think that's the biggest thing. It starts with me. Yeah, I like I like how you said earlier. You said it's a, it's a holistic approach. It's not a one, you know, one piece of the pie is this DEI work and then we're going to move forward with the rest of the stuff. It's, it's this whole huge holistic approach to, to change as a, in general. Yes. Um, and it sounds like you're saying really it starts with each individual. Yes. Doing that internal work, asking the questions and looking at feedback. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing. I think that that can be the biggest motivator. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, and that's one of the things as people in recovery, we, we, we learn to do is, is be more honest and be more accepting of some of the things that are happening in our lives, good and bad. And it's, it starts with um, our mentality, our approaches, our attitudes and beliefs around certain things. And then I think doing some, I think looking at your biases, you know, we all bring them is what I believe. What they are, I don't know. I know what some of mine are, and I and I choose to to work on those in uh, order to approach things differently. Yeah, I like that you said choose. This is intentional. We we have to choose to be part of this change and the solution and and making things different. Yes, that's exactly right. The decision I made ten years ago actually is a foundation for this, mm. for this work. Because I had to be open-minded then to someone who didn't look like me telling me something that would benefit me. You know, and, and, it, and some of the beliefs I had growing up, uh, I'm a 70s baby raised in the 80s, and a lot of the images I seen of people that didn't look like me was either oppressive or uh, racist. And so I had to look at my views around approaching the information and, or accepting the information from the individual as being something that would benefit me. And once that happened, you know, it helped me challenge some of the beliefs and some of the things that I brought to the table. So I think I, I, think I was being critical of my biases before I even knew what biases was. Mm. I, I mean, I think that's so powerful 
connecting it back to that that trauma-informed care piece where you came into the system or the relationship with your mentor, whoever it was, right, treatment person, um, with things that you've carried, messages that you've you've been or received throughout your entire life up to that point. And you had to take a critical approach to building off of that relationship with that person yeah. and and still kind of navigating through those those narratives and those messages that you had growing up. Yeah. I had to be accepting and, and open. You know, there were some things that impacted um, not just myself, but a, a lot of African-American males through the gang and prison stuff or just black people in general that came from people that didn't look like us, particularly white people. So I had to look at that, but at the same time, that also afforded me an opportunity to look at how did I end up in prison? Mm. How did I end up becoming, you know, at the time a deadbeat dad? And that was not because of decisions that society made. That was Those were choices that I made that gave me a chance to change some things and to try some things. And I began to see the person for who they were and not generalize people in a manner. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds like it It was kind of freeing in a moment. It, it, it was, was able very to, freeing. to empower you to, to step into a place where you can make different choices. Yes, that's why my approach is adversity, you know, not just adversity of decision-making, but adversity of thought, like mm. adversity of, of the responsibilities that you have in this process. Like, what was your part? I think hearing those words since I've been clean have been probably the most profound words. Those lead me back to looking at myself whenever I'm having some struggles or when I'm ever having a problem with accepting some of the leadership qualities that other people see in me. Like, what's my part? You know. It sounds really complicated because it doesn't, it doesn't take away the systemic oppression. That's true. I mean, there, there are true parts of, yes. of oppression. And it sounds like you were able to be empowered to make some different decisions that ultimately led to you changing your life and ongoing change in your life. Absolutely. And, and you're absolutely correct. It doesn't, it doesn't change the systemic approach. And, and that's why this DEI work that we're doing, you know, we have to expose that and we have to advocate for some changes from a systemic point of view. You know, we have to see that there are barriers and we have to point those out and, and stay honorable and true with those. So you we know. have to hold both those things, the, the system and the individuals that, that make up that system. Absolutely. I think I think I answered it twofold. Um, we have to hold the system accountable mm -hmm. in, in looking at some things. But, you know, as a person, I'm a more of a grassroots individual person. I do like working with people. You know, I have to hold them accountable to some of their decision-making process while fostering um, care, concern, and, and support, you know, as well as, hey, I'm going to advocate for you in this process as well, but we have to do some things differently. But definitely the systemic approach, you know, I think we, we have to be involved in, in the political arena. We have to voice what our concerns are as far as oppressive approaches to jobs um, and policies or, or, or laws. 
it's not something that I have to do by myself. That's right. You know, I think part of it is is being involved in some of the changes within the organization, um, looking at some of the policies on how we can be more inclusive to um, those that that have felt depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can be more culturally sensitive to to our approach, and then um, look at some competencies that, that can help us along the way. Yeah. So it's not it's not just one person out there on their own, but it's really a, a, a partnership I'm hearing from you, a partnership with so many different types of people, not only um, culturally and in, in terms of diversity, but in terms of in terms of their role. Maybe it's a, a probation officer, maybe it's a, a sponsor. You know, it, it can be so many different types of people to partner with every person. Absolutely. Not just the individual, you know, definitely the all the all the different agencies that may impact the individual's decision making process um good or bad why is dei work important in recovery you think well i think dei work is important in recovery because it may not look the same for everyone you know the 12 step approach may not be beneficial to everyone they may like, again, it comes back to some of the trauma or it comes back to some of the individual's hopes and dreams that they have for themselves, you know. And to be able to hear that, I think, is the, is what recovery is about, like being open-minded to different individuals and not just, hey, you got to do it this way, one size fits all. That's not realistic. Mm. Where do you think bridges to change can improve in DEI work? One, I would say being um, more inclusive with in leadership. Um, we've made a lot of changes since I've been involved with Bridges to Change, since I've been a mentor and a, and a um, supervisor, supervisor with Bridges to Change. I would say just continuing to do what we're doing. One one thing I can say is Bridges to Change has been very in, intentional with being more culturally competent and being more open-minded that change or DEI work is necessary. So I think from that point of view, just, just continue to be curious about where they're at, um, continuing to have conversations in the house, um, continuing a partner partnership or interact with other agencies to understand what they're doing and and how could we help or what would what would you suggest we do to continue to grow? I think just continuing on the path. You know, we we were intentional with <clears throat> using the Meyer tools to be able to push us further along the spectrum for change for DEI work, and I think sticking through that as well as as well as learning a little bit more or, or getting that information out to to the staff. I don't know if we necessarily have to change, but continue doing the work that we've already established. Mm. You know, um, and then looking at some things that maybe, hey, we may not have no African American representation on leadership. What is it about you know, how can we encourage more African Americans to apply? How can we encourage more people from the LGBTQ community to apply? How can we get more 
how can we impact the Hispanic community in a positive manner? You know, what can we do to grow and understand how our interactions can improve in, in those different demographics? So really looking at slowing down and being intentional in, in how we're asking the questions yes. to continue to, to advance this work. Yes, but I would definitely say stay along with the intentional goal that we had, you know, a few years back, see where we're at with that, and continue to move forward along those lines and use the tools that are out there that helps that work. You know, um, it's not something where we've arrived. Um, it's an evolving thought process or evolving. It's, it's ever evolving. Mm. So I think um, when we have goals, we must reach those. And then within those, maybe some short benchmarks along the way, set some new goals, set some more benchmarks, and then continue to progress in that manner. And I heard you say this work is necessary. Definitely necessary. Definitely necessary. Everybody deserves an opportunity to be who they want to be or provide some, some sort of uh, productivity or positivity. And as a diverse organization, including everyone in the process or getting as much diverse point of views will only benefit the organization from my point of view. James, what would you say to inspire community members, staff, participants to engage in DEI work and engage in change? Change starts with the individual. Um, ask questions. Recognize the changes you've made. Um, help someone along the way. But also get involved. Do more research. Um, volunteer maybe at, a, at an agency that you wouldn't normally volunteer with, you know, to learn more about people. You know, I think that's what it comes down to is getting to know people. All these labels, um, which is something I do not like, by the way, I think impact us in a negative way. Um, and that's just from my point of view. Other people may have a different point of view. But understanding that other people have a different point of view, but still embracing the individual and coming along and saying, hey, what can I do? What does that mean to you? You know, asking some questions. I think getting involved is the biggest thing. Um, when you see something that's oppressive or inequitable, you know, highlight it. Talk about it. Call it out. Call it out. Ask that question to the individual. You know, did you mean to do this? Did you understand what what this uh, what that statement said to someone? Did you understand how that hit that person? Did you notice the body change? Mm. You know, so paying attention is the biggest thing. Advocating for other people, but really learning and getting to know the person or the different agencies and what they're about, <clears throat> and then holding that line, being accountable. Is there anything else um, that I didn't ask you that you want to add? No, I did want to say that I'm just honored to be able to have this conversation. It's good to be able to have a voice and express my voice. Um, by no means is this only one view of what DEI is. It's just my story, how it impacts me, and the things that I'm willing to do 
in order to help further change along the way as far as a leader within Bridges to Change, but more importantly as an individual in America. Well, thank you so much, James, for being a part of our podcast, Change Talk, and specifically around this this month's episode of change, and, and you've really done a lot of work to change your life, and it definitely shows within our organization and in the community, so I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Honored to be a part of this process. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>